You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Hey, we're talking about divine direction. Somebody goes, duh, you know. But the wisdom to discern. And the most commonly asked question that I've received and Craig Rochelle uh, received who wrote this book called Divine Direction is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And one of the things we said last week was, and you can write this down in your notes if you're a note taker, the decisions that we make today will really determine the stories we get to tell tomorrow. The things you do today, the things you do this week, the things you do this month will determine what kind of stories you get to tell people tomorrow. And one thing we saw last week is that, um, you know, if you're like an old guy like me, we didn't have as many choices as young people have today. When I came out of high school, either if you had some kind of scholarship or your parents had money, you went to college. If they didn't, you went to work or you went in the military. Those were your options back then. Now we have a myriad of options. Uh, we can go to school online. Uh, we can actually work from home online. Kids can make dramas or they can work on, as one young man told me, I'm making video games in my bedroom. And his dad keeps saying, when's it going to pay something? But anyway, uh, there's so many options now that we have today that we've got to make decisions all the time. Uh, Wayne Cadero says that we make up to 300 decisions every day in our lives, but about 30 of those, about 10%, are really life-changing decisions. Um, I was going to wear a different shirt this morning, and before I ran out of the house, I put the blue one on. It doesn't change my life a whole lot, and someone said I look good in blue, so there, there's your answer. It's, pretty, it's not going to change my eternity. It's not going to change heaven. It's not going to move the kingdom forward whether I wear blue or not, you know. But I really want to make a bold statement today. And here's the statement. If you're filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you will always know 100% exactly, specifically what you're supposed to do. Now that bold statement is a bold-faced lie. You will not always know what to do all the time. And here's a comforting proof text for that. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6 through 9. And I love this first word. This is the Apostle Paul. You know who he is, right? The, the most dramatic transformation of anyone in scriptures, as far as I'm concerned, how the Lord meets him and transforms him, turns him from Saul to Paul. He writes the majority of the New Testament. He plants churches. Actually, he was responsible for planting the very first church in Europe. This guy is like the saint, and actually in the Catholic Church, he's been sainthooded. He's been canonized and galvanized and petrified. He's Saint Paul, right? And his first word is what? Perhaps. I'm so grateful for that word. That means he doesn't even know. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. He's not even sure where he's going. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope, to sp I hope to spend time with you. He's not saying, I will specifically spend time with you from October 1st to October 12th. No, I don't know what's going on. And then he says these great words, the Lord willing, right? If the Lord permits. But, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who, what? Oppose me. I just feel so comforted by that passage. Because there are times, just like you, that we don't know specifically exactly what we're supposed to do or when we're supposed to do it. 
Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Yeah. Now, if you were here last week, you remember that question, what does the Lord want me to do? And what we said was, why before what and who before do? Anybody remember that? Good. Four people. I'm so glad. Why before what and who before do? In other words, the, the, the why is, what's the motivation behind it? What's the calling behind it? What's the purpose about the what? What does God want me to do? And we talked about who last week before do. Your character is more, cons- uh, is, God's more concerned with your character than he is with actually your production, uh, production or productivity. He cares more about who you are than what you do. He cares more about your being than he does about your doing. God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. Let me say that one again. He's more concerned with your character than your comfort, who you're becoming rather than what you're producing. So the lesson is that God doesn't always show us specifically what to do, but here it is. He'll always give us the wisdom to decide. Solomon, incredible guy, by the way, um, and I know business leaders who don't even believe in the Lord, but they read Proverbs as their business manual or their leadership manual. And I really love John Maxwell. Some of you know John Maxwell. Um, He's like leadership guru And I've been in the offices of people who don't even have faith in God, and yet they read Maxwell. And every once in a while, especially now as Maxwell gets older, he's throwing more scriptures and Proverbs into his writings. Some of you may remember this, or maybe you don't know this. John Maxwell was a Wesleyan pastor, and he pastored Skyline Wesleyan Church down in the San Diego area phenomenal church that grew, and he taught our leadership there quite often. And one of the things that he encourages people to do, leaders to do, is read the Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, you find this incredible leader named Solomon who goes to offer the Lord a burnt sacrifice. But instead of offering one sacrifice, he offers 1,000 to God. He's so consumed with his love for God and his fear for God that he doesn't just give a little bit. He gives everything to the Lord. And it's a lesson that comes out of that story is that generosity moves the heart of God. It was right after that where he offers a thousand sacrifices. The Lord speaks to him and says, Solomon, what do you want? Can you imagine God tonight as you put your head on the pillow whispering, what, what, what do you want? He calls you by name. Now, just, just think about it for a second. What would you ask? Uh, Lord, give me power over all the people that don't like me. Huh? All the people that have unfriended me. Come on. Uh, give me finances or success. Or Lord, I, I don't need a big house, just 5,000 square feet on, on a lake next to a stream, next to Stokap Mountains, 30 acres in the backyard. That's all. Lord, it's not much. No, you know what Solomon says, and many of you know this, He says, God, there's one thing I want, and we find it in 2 Chronicles 1.10. Give me wisdom and knowledge. I just don't want to know stuff, but wisdom, I want to know what to do with the stuff that I know. I want to be keen and sharp. Let me know. Let me be discerning. Let me me be attentive. Let my eyes be open. Let my ears be open. Let me have knowledge, but give me wisdom that I may lead this people who 
is able to govern this great people of yours. If you don't give me wisdom, I'm not able to do what you've called me to do. This would be great for every teacher, every parent, every, every leader, um, uh, every boss. You know, if you lead a department, this should be your verse. God, give me wisdom because these people in my department, these people in my neighborhood, my coworkers, my friends, these people in my classroom at school or on my team, they're all so viable, viable and so important and vital to what you're doing, God. I want to make sure that you equip me so I can lead them well. Isn't that a great prayer? Give me wisdom. Then later in Proverbs 4, 7, he would write, getting wisdom is the what? The wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Parents, make sure your kids are getting wisdom. Now, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Well, at some point, you have to help them with what they know and then to make the right decision with what they know. Or someday when they fly the coop, they will come back, by the way, because they always do. But if they fly the coop, they haven't had the tools yet to be wise and discerning and make their own decisions. Uh, my professor, Dr. Hammond, in, in Bible college used to say this, and it's in your notes, wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. And I know lots of people who know facts, but they're not very wise. I know lots of people who can spew statistics and numbers, but they're not very wise. I know people who can stand in the podium and do one of these things and tell you what you need to know, but they're not very wise. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. And some of you go, I got it. I got it. But it's always a great reminder. Uh, when David talks to his son Solomon, he says, now look, son, I can tell you everything I know, but wisdom is the principal thing. Without it, you're in deep weeds. So get wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So be in love with God so much. That word fear is really reverence. Reverence Him so much. Be surrendered to Him so much that you want His wisdom to come and be a part of your life and that this Holy One will give you wisdom. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. Otherwise, you'll say something like this, I wish I knew then and what I knew now. How about this one? How about this? a little different? I wish I had the wisdom back then that I have today. If we say, I wish I knew then what I knew now, it usually means because now we can see uh, with hindsight, that's always 2020, right? We look back and see, oh, I wish when I was 12, 14, 18, 30, 32, 40, I wish when I was 99, I would have done this, right? Yeah. It's a great story when you read things like um, years ago, a survey was done and uh, there were several questions asked, but a couple of them were questions like this. If you had to do your life over again, what would you do differently? And the only criteria for being a part of this survey group was you had to be 90 years old or older. You ever ask somebody in their 80s or 90s, if you had to live your life over again, what would you do differently? See, I always ask people who are ahead of me. I've been doing that since I was, I think, 17, 18. I always ask people who are ahead of me, going where I want to go. I tell young couples who are about to get married, go interview somebody who's been married five years. Well, first of all, make sure they love God and they still love each other after five years. And if they do, take them to lunch. See, 
I took a guy to lunch years ago. I, I'm kind of cheap, so we went to $5 foot long back in the day, cut it in half, it's only $2.50. Come on. <laughs> and I brought my notepad. Don't bring your iPad or your smartphone or whatever, because it, it gets weird, it gets confusing. Just take a notepad and write by hand. By the way, when people interview me and they actually write with a pen and pencil, my, my level of response rises up. But if they're doing this with their thumbs, and they're checking their texts and their Facebook at the same time, not so much. So sit down with somebody that's where you want to go. See, we're talking about generations today a little bit this morning. Find people who are trying to become what you already are. And so I tell people, five years, find somebody. Ten years, find somebody that's been married. Fifteen years, find somebody that's been married and ask them questions. When I was pastoring 50 people, I was hanging out with pastors who had 300. Not 300 handed to them, but they started with zero and went to 300. How did you get where you are? And here was the question I always ask. If you had to do it over again, what would you do differently? Isn't that a great question? Yeah. Had a young pastor uh, email me about three weeks ago. He asked me the same question. He goes, I've been pastoring for six months. They told me you've been pastoring for 600 years. <laughs> if you could start over again, what would you do differently? And But only reply when you have time. I know you're busy. I thought, wow. So I said, send me your number. And we got on the phone and we talked together. This kid is brilliant. He's 24 years old. He's taken a very small church. He just wants to know. And, and I said, well, how many people are you interviewing? Get, get ready. He called Foursquare and said, give me the names of 10 people I must talk to. You know, he's a young kid. He's starting out green behind the ears. He preaches five-minute sermons. What does he know? You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. So, by the way, who who does that for you? Or have you already arrived? Do you know everything there is to know? Who speaks into your world? And then let me ask you this other question. Whose world are you speaking into? Where are you helping people get where they need to go? Some of you have made great financial decisions in your life. Can you help someone else make, some, make them too? Some of you have made horrid financial decisions in your life. Horrible. If you had to do it over again, oh God, don't give me a checkbook or a credit card. Come on. <laughs> you could also speak into people's lives and say, don't do what I did. Come on. Right? All right. So here's some steps to directional wisdom and I've got a few minutes and you're going to write fast. Number one, walk with the wise. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Proverbs 13, 20. This is such a great verse. Let's read it. Walk with and become for a companion of fools suffers harm. I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I can't. I'll just tell you this way. I saw a guy who's trying to be an entrepreneur, and he, he, he was at Southside Coffee Shop hanging out with some of the biggest knuckleheads I've ever met. I'm sorry, that's my word, knuckleheads. And I saw him later on by himself, and I said this question to him. Is that your group? Is that old word? Those are your homies? Was, yeah, they're great, they're great guys. I said, well, no, no offense, they're all unemployed and choose to be. And you're trying to move forward. You want to start a business. You want go, go hang out with people that are well. Now, if they're your evangelistic project, then that's different. But if that's the group you're with, I will bank on it. You will not be successful. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Uh, a companion of fools suffers harm, but, but I like hanging out with them. God bless you. 
you'll never be successful. You'll never, you won't. Yeah, but they're cool guys. They, we watch Netflix together. But they're unemployed and they choose to be. And, and, you, you, and you want to make millions by the time you're 30. Okay. See you later, my friend. Go on. So he wants to meet with me now. All right. <laughs> What's my word of advice to him? Are you ready? Stop hanging with the knuckleheads. Thanks for listening. Okay. <laughs> now, when you gain wisdom, and some of you know this lesson from many times here, but some of you are new, so you need this lesson. When you gain wisdom, you can gain wisdom from personal consequences. Right? Somebody goes out drinking. They drink so much that they throw up their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then they pass out. And while they pass out, they fall on the concrete, they break their nose and their shoulder. Okay? Now, I can learn from that. The message for me is, thou shalt not drink. That's my choice. I choose not to. I'm sorry. Oh, God bless you. By the way, thanks, thanks for being sensitive and and helping your little one. Hey, the thing is, I don't need to go out and drink so I can pass out. I can take the wisdom from that person who did that, and I can say, boy, I'm smart, right? Or I could do this. If I start running against this wall here, I will realize that the wall is hard and my nose is not. And I'll break this bone. If I run hard enough into that like this, I'll break this bone. The wall will win and the nose will We'll lose. Yeah. But let somebody else run into the wall. You with me? You don't have enough bones and body parts to experience life. Personal consequences. I had someone tell me, well, pastor, you know, I've been raised in a Christian home and I was homeschooled and now I'm going to college, man. I'm going to go to every party that there is. And I go, yeah, your grades will be affected by that. And eventually your parents will be throwing good money into a bad hole. Stop doing that. Yeah, get, get ready. But I got to go experience life. Yeah, I want to smoke stuff and drink stuff and get weird and stay up all night and go to class in the morning and, and I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to make big money when I get... No. Listen, sweetheart, people that have done well in college are people that don't party. Some of you are looking at me and you're going, yeah, he's so right because I was in college and I stopped going because I partied too much. Yeah, okay? And he says everything in balance. So learn from other people who have made horrible mistakes. Have wisdom at the expense of another person. Every mistake, by the way, that you will ever make is in the Bible. So here's what you want to do. Learn wisdom from other people people's experiences. Learn wisdom from all these divine mentors that we have in the Bible. Sit with Jeremiah a while. Sit with Joseph a while. Oh, sit with Jonah a while and see what happens when you rebel against God. Sit with Job. Read the story about the followers of, of Jesus, his disciples. Read about a guy named Judas. Read about how he went bad. Read about Saul and what he did before he was transformed. Read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and you recognize you have a Savior who goes through stuff like you go through and far worse. So spend time in this word and garner all the experiences that you can and the wisdom that you can. Number two, ask God for wisdom. I love this. 
James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who will. Come on. He's going to give generously. And I love this, without finding fault, even if you've been hanging with the knuckleheads, he's not going to judge you. Even if you made some errors along the way, he's not going to find fault in you. He is going to receive you when you say, God, I'm coming I want wisdom so I can honor you with my days. I can honor you with my resources. I can honor you with my, the fruit of my lips, giving thanks to you and sharing faith with others. God, I really want to do well. And could you imagine a kid coming to their father or their mother and saying, would you, would you help me? Would you help me figure out all these facts? Would you advise me to get with, with good counsel so I can make a good decision? And God says, I'm going to give it to you without finding and he faults. Some versions say he gives generously like NIV. Others say liberally. Others say this, God gives us more wisdom than we ever need. Wow. So look, God's inviting you. He's inviting you through the words of James by the Holy Spirit to come into his presence and say, Lord, I have a decision to make. Would you give me wisdom? By the way, he won't always answer your prayer this way. I want specifically to know what I'm supposed to do. God won't always let you know specifically what to do, but he'll give you wisdom so you can know what to do with what you know. We have to get in the presence of God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And that's where the Holy Spirit can fill you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.8 says that God would give us a word of wisdom. That's a spiritual gift. Think about that. And some people have that. I love hanging out with people that just speak and wisdom comes out. I don't always like what I hear because it's challenging. It can be like sandpaper trying to go against my rough edges. Sometimes iron sharpens iron and there's metal flies in order to sharpen iron. You know that. But one of the things that I've learned is when you're around somebody with the word of of wisdom, see, see, knowledge or the word of, of knowledge would be like, it's a skunk. It's black and white, and it has this pungent odor, (laughs) right? That's the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom said, it's a skunk, run, (laughs) right? Right? It gives you the wisdom to know what to do with what you know. You're being tempted, word of knowledge. Word of wisdom, turn off your TV, turn off your computer, turn off your phone. Don't look there. Don't think that. Don't, that that's, that's the word of wisdom that tells us what to do with the things that, that we know in our lives. And I really believe that James 1.5, when he's talking to us about asking God for wisdom, the Holy Spirit comes. Because you know what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And the only way for us to really grab a hold of truth and live out truth is to take the knowledge that we have, but then apply it with the wisdom that God gives us. Psalm 32, 8 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will, I will advise you. God never says, I will decide for you. If God decided for us, we'd have no need of any kind of outreach or evangelism because if God decided for us, everyone would be saved today. You had to make a choice, didn't you? Lord, I believe in you. Yeah, I believe in my heart. I confess with my lips, you're your Savior and you're God. And I, I want you to be my Lord. 
You, you have a, a, a decision to make when you sin. Lord, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You have that decision to make. God doesn't force us. You know, we're not, we're not programmed robots that just, yes, Lord, I worship you every morning. You know, we have a decision to make. Lord, I greet you today. I bless you today. We have a decision to make. I'm going to read my word. I have a decision to make. I, I, I'm going to be led by you. The Lord says, I will guide you along the pathway for your life, and I will advise you. He will guide us. The question is, will we follow his guidance? And the third thing is, you must decide. You must decide what you're going to do. There are some people who choose not to decide. They just walk through life and whatever comes their way, that's what they accept. Well, the Lord will bring it to me. The Lord will bring it to me. But sometimes you have to get down and pick it up. Or sometimes you have to get in the Word and mine it out. Or sometimes you have to get with someone else in your life, a, a wise person, and you sit with them and you learn from them. Don't wait for us to legislate small groups. They're coming again. Don't wait for the women to tell you there's another retreat coming up. Uh, we're having one here in October. And uh, Marlene's actually going to come back and do worship, so that's cool. And, and don't wait for us to say, oh, we've got, we've got you know, this, this, this thing happening or that men's thing happening. You can find people to do life with. You just ask somebody today as you leave, hey, you got anybody in your life? And people, most people are going to say, yes, I'm all lifed out, I'm all buddied out. But, <laughs> but find somebody. Invite them the next time somebody's having a sale and cut it in half and just sit with them or, or buy them a coffee or, or go to the Connections Cafe afterwards and make a decision that you're going to have people in your world. See, wherever there is not clear moral scriptural direction, God gives us the wisdom to decide. Let me, let me be quick on that. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. I'm just going to use that as an illustration. So years ago, I worked in retail while I was going through college, and I worked at a Home Depot kind of place, and we had a guy that worked in the warehouse, and I caught him stealing one night. What are you doing? He was putting tools in his car. He said, they don't pay me enough around here. So I steal stuff from the warehouse, and I said, you're a Baptist. Another thing get Baptist. I said, you're a Baptist. Actually, I said it this way, you're a Baptist. And, and he said, that's right. I said, do you love the Lord? Yes, that's right. He said, I have a verse in the Bible. A workman is worthy of his pay. I said, yeah, I read that. Workman worthy of his hire. Yeah, yes, sir. He said, they don't pay me enough around here. So I've taken the word of God. I'm not making this up. You can't make this stuff up, right? He's taking the word of God and he applied it to his life. And he took that and overlaid it over thou shalt not steal. Now listen, when God has given us a moral, specific direction, we don't need to pray. Lord, would it be all right if I steal these tools? Now, I know I'm being silly a little bit, but it's okay. Would it be okay for me to lie? Hey, I want to get into that college. Would it be okay for me to cheat on my entrance exam? Hmm. Dad, I believe it's the Lord will I get in that school, but can I cheat my senior year of high school so I can get in that college? Because that's where you went and that's where mom went. I want, I want that to be my alma mater. Do you think the Lord would mind? Huh? Is that a silly question or what? See, we know thou shalt not steal, which could also be interpreted as thou shalt not cheat. So here's the point. 
we take the moral absolutes that God gives us, and we don't need to pray for wisdom. We just do them. But on those things that we're not clear about, we can go to the scriptures, we can go to, to, to friends that are close to us that are walking with the Lord, and God, as we pray, will give us the wisdom to decide all of these things. Last thing before we pray. Joshua 1.7. He tells Joshua, be strong, be very courageous, be careful to obey all the instructions. See, those are the moral absolutes. All the things you know that are right, do them. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. In other words, I have given you this course to follow. I want you to follow it. And that, too, is a divine direction for your life. Then you will be what? Successful in everything you do. Lots of people want to be successful. Not everybody wants to follow God. Lots of people want success. Not everyone wants to listen to the wisdom that's given to us by the Holy Spirit or by the Word of God. But I pray that you will. That you will follow Him every day of your life. That you'll hang out with people who can help you grow, help you become wise. That you will spend time in God's Word to help you become wise. And that you'll never be afraid to ask God, Lord, give me wisdom. Because He wants to give it to you. Amen? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.